Hey there, and welcome to episode 105 of the Wild We Are Working podcast. This is the show that helps you become a better people leader, whether you're an HR pro or a non-HR pro working on some HR thing at your office. I am your host, Joey Price, and as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Summer Ketron, who's our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. We've got a great show for you today. We've got interesting topics that we're going to cover that no matter your industry, I think it's important, especially if you plan to do some hiring and we've got something to cover in case you need to do some termination and what are some ideas to help uh, curb the effect or present a barrier to the effect of uh, possible layoffs and so let's go ahead and, and jump into our our show today uh this first segment is while we were working and while we were working in a portion of our show where we cover a news article topic trend that you need to be aware of and you may not have been paying attention why because you're busy working but never you worry we've got your back and this week we want to cover an article from our friends at hr brew uh, the headline says companies are looking into redeployment programs to lessen the sting layoffs. So that's article here written by Courtney Vinipal. Summer, what are some takeaways that you have from this article that our audience should know? Yes, I think my first response was like, wow, how fast that the environment for hiring and businesses has changed. It seems like Truly, just a couple of weeks ago, Joey, we were talking about companies not being able to hire fast enough and offering much higher salaries, perks, benefits, signing bonuses, you name it, anything to get talent in the door. And I think this is just a reminder that things can change quickly and that organizations should really be thinking about what their plan is. Uh, in the event that they find themselves in a situation where layoffs are are a reality. And I think it was it was a really great article that caught my attention because we're working with organizations who are facing this and trying to explore options that maybe not have been considered in the past. And this article talks about the concept of redeployment and how it's something that more companies now uh, than prior are doing to help with team members that may be impacted by future layoffs. And I really liked that thinking because when you have layoffs, of course, it's tough to lose any team members, Joey. But the idea of truly trying to preserve your top talent is not new, uh, but oftentimes companies aren't thinking about what other skills and talents do these team members have that can be utilized in other areas of our business, right? They're just often quick to think about, well, you know, we've we've got to cut this position that really is unfortunate for this team member and, you know, away they go. So I think this concept and focus on redeployment is a great one and it does give folks some runway and opportunity to where they may be losing their present position 
but it may also be an opportunity for them to do something new and different within the same company. And that would be a win for everybody. Yeah, I think so too. I think that redeployment is a, a nice effort to keep the team on board, keep institutional knowledge there, keep people who know your culture. And I think about this in the context of the reason why many people leave an organization is that they don't have opportunities for growth and development. And this is an interesting way uh, to redeployment to keep someone on board and give them an opportunity to either learn uh, a new skill or flex a muscle they're familiar with, but maybe they just haven't done it so much in, in your, in your company. So I, I think that this still work. I mean, you know, talking about layoffs is never, never fun. It's never a great topic to cover uh, or let alone go through. But if there are things you can do to help alleviate the, the burden of it, mm-hmm. I say I say go for it. Yes. And referring back to this article, there was a Randstad survey. Um, so for those of you that aren't familiar, they are a large staffing agency. And part of that survey, uh, there were 40% of respondents who actually anticipated that their company would be implementing redeployment programs in the next 12 months. And that was a really big figure. Yeah. And, you know, I think in addition to what I was mentioning earlier about internal job leads and opportunities, I, I think having even networking opportunities um, internally and externally to help those team members that may be affected land other positions it's a staggering number, but I also think it it's a sign that there's continuing to be a lot of change in this space. And so, you know, if you're an organization who's you know, planning or contemplating layoffs, I, I think th- if this is a viable option, I, I would definitely suggest this as kind of a number one. But if you know, that you have to proceed with layoffs as a whole to just also be thinking about having a layoff strategy way beyond this. And that's something, Joey, um, unfortunately, we've been working with some of our clients on recently and kind of taking them through the steps of the planning and understanding things like having criteria for your selection, like what methodology are you using to determine, you know, who's going to stay and who's going to go and recognizing the importance of having that criteria to help mitigate potential claims of discrimination. And oftentimes those are really um, eye-opening conversations that, you know, organizations aren't fully aware of the risk that they need to manage in doing this. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's quite a bit of risk in it. Um, and, and let's also think about kind of the, the opportunity that, that it presents, you know, I think from a standpoint of being able to put yourself or put your company in a position to maybe turn things around by keeping folks on the organization or in the organization, but um, aligning things so that maybe you are able to get more uh, profit in the door, you are able to get more revenue in and, and retain your team. Um, I think too, from the standpoint of alleviating maybe any any uh, bad press about about layoffs, about larger organizations, and saying, "Hey, 
instead of us laying off three to seven, 10% of our workforce, if we're able to redeploy, uh, which I guess, you know, in the modern buzzword, it'd have to be uh, quiet shuffling or I don't know, and we love quiet stuff. Um, but, but if you're able to make those internal organization changes, that might also continue to allow you to have the confidence of your, your customers who buy from you and um, look to your stability as uh, a reason to continue to, to stay on. So I think that companies should take a look at this redeployment option, whether you're large or small. And uh, some of the admission, the nuances to, to, to think about. Um, and I'll just share, I'll share a few things that I have in mind about kind of, well, how do you set this up? How do you set up a redeployment program? I think you've got you've to first look at the skills that you need from an organizational standpoint and where are the gaps. Or you should also think about maybe if you don't have one already, um, have an internal job portal so that people can look at what opportunities are out there. If you listen to last week's podcast, uh, make sure that the job descriptions are accurate so that you're not catfishing your uh, potential um, you know, internal candidate. And, you know, once you have that job board in place and everything's clear, um, I think it also helps to have a bit of career counseling and support. Uh, it helps to make sure that you are giving people tools, resources, and encouragement to be successful in this new role that they're taking on. So, uh, you know, it's not just about building the thing or committing to this idea, but having the right infrastructure in place to support it so that it fulfills its intended goal. Yeah, I think that's solid advice, Joey. And I think in, you know, best case scenario, those are things that companies will be able to do in order to help preserve some of their staff. But I think even with all of those things, there are going to be, you know, team members that likely are going to be impacted by layoffs. And I kind of wanted to bring us back to um, a stat in the article uh, that references that only 25% of U.S. HR professionals reported uh, offering severance packages to employees essentially in layoffs. And, and that's a pretty low number compared to 54% in the U.K. and 47% in Germany. So I, I kind of wanted to mention this because when we're working with clients in regards to their layoffs, there's always a lot of conversations about, will they offer a severance package? Can they offer a severance package? And if they do, what does it look like? And I always do suggest that if a company can, that they offer something. And it's really not just so that they can get that release signed by the team member to help uh, minimize potential claims, but truly it's to help set this team member who's losing or just lost their job on their feet the best that they can in what is a very difficult and emotional situation. And when we talk about, as you mentioned, Joey, uh, bad press, right? If a company is laying off team members, it's one thing if they're offering them severance. Um, it's another thing if they're not. And you know, certainly uh, when you aren't able to, I think there is a higher risk of having bad press uh, at a minimum uh, 
hurting the reputation when it comes time to hiring new team members at some point in the future. Yeah. And, you know, with sites nowadays like uh, like Glassdoor and other sites that allow you to break employers, you do combat that public uh, voice uh, where people can get a PDF here or then say, so all the more reason to, to, to do things as best as possible. Uh, for the employee and also a turn is, you know, going to be the best thing for your organization. Are there any other thoughts you want to share on, on this topic too? I appreciate the, the team uh, at HR Blue for bringing this up. I think it's an important thing to cover. And um, yeah, any other things you want to share on this? Yeah, I, I think it's really just some personal thoughts and reflecting after reading the article and talking about it today because, you know, there's so much to layoffs and it's really important that you get them right. Like you don't get a second chance to fix it if you do it wrong. I, I think having personally been laid off in my career and unfortunately having to be on kind of the managing side and consulting side of uh, more layoffs than I, I would like to admit. I have found that the communication to the team that remains after layoffs is really important because there's going to be a wide variety of emotions. And in addition to that, it's recognizing that these team members just lost their friends, their coworkers. And then the reality sinks in of, oh my gosh, who's going to do all this work? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of emphasis that I place on having conversations with the remaining team members to hear their concerns, to answer their questions as best as you can at any point in time, even if the answer is saying, you know what, I don't have all of the answers right now, but I'm committed to getting them for you, is oftentimes enough uh, you know, in the short term, because team members need that transparency because there will be fear uh, that, you know, this this uh, kind of new state of doing business and, and how it's going to impact them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Always lead with the transparency and uh, the vision and future and the confidence that you would have as leadership management and, and what's beyond this this season so yeah i i can set it better and um i think we'll we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll transition to our next our next topic here which is consultants corner and consultants corner in again a place where you can reach out ask us questions we're happy to talk about them on the show and uh you can reach out to us at hello at jumpstart.hr.com this week we have a topic that came in for us to cover and it's about job trial. So in some industries, it's job trial. In some industries, testing. It's uh, you name it. Um, but basically, that whole performance before an offer or performance before you're compensated. And so the question simply standing is: job trial without pay? Are they are they legal? Is that is that a thing? Can you do that? Uh, Summer, what are your what are your thoughts on, on this? Oh man, I feel like this is a giant can of worms, Joey. Uh, but super stoked to be talking about it because I think there's, hate to say it, I think there's a lot of companies breaking the law 
Yep. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about this and, you know, help share with our listeners and give them some guidance on if this is something your company does or is considering doing, uh, how to stay on the right side of the law. Because, you know, I I hear of companies doing this and, and have to give them some recommendations on, you know, how to how to fix their process to stay compliant. And let's let's maybe talk first a little bit about uh, kind of the difference between what I know is job shadowing and job trials. Maybe we start there. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So job shadowing is often different than an actual job trial. So job shadowing would be, let's just say somebody is applying for, I don't know, a cook in a restaurant. Okay. And uh, you... Uh, bring them in as part of their interview process, and you simply allow them to observe. They are not actually performing any of the work, but it's to give them a real-life preview of, if you accept our offer, this is this is, this is is how busy it is. This is the pace. This is essentially what we would expect you to do. And yeah. that is okay because, one, they're agreeing to it, and they're not actually performing any work, Okay. Um, so you could apply kind of that concept of job shadowing to a wide variety of jobs, right? They're simply observing and getting a sense of what a day or part of a day in a life is. Now, job trials, Joey, do you want to you wanna tackle explaining high level what a job trial might be? Yeah, yeah. And, and definitely keep me in balance here. But the job trial is where the person actually is given a task or assignment or maybe a process or even a ship uh, complete. And for that period of time, you are under evaluation as part of the hiring process to determine if there's a strong probability that you will be able to do the job as advertised, or if maybe there was some discrepancy in your resume, so on and so forth. It's kind of a, a way for the company to so you put your put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And so that's the job trial is when you are on the clock to perform something that will be evaluated uh, with or without comp- compensation, but absolutely before an offer is finished. Did I get it right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's great, Joey. Right. You always, you always right, do a good cool. job. And I would say it's an important distinction, right? Because job shadowing is really truly just observing. It's just watching and learning while the trial is exactly what it sounds like. You are you are doing something and, and that something can look different for a wide variety of jobs. I mean, you know, when say you're hiring a programmer, you might ask them to write code. If you're hiring a writer, you might ask them to write on a certain topic. So I think those are all tasks that help you evaluate somebody's actual ability to do the job. And that's great. I think where companies get into trouble is where they're actually asking somebody as part of their trial to truly perform work. And then they're not paying. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we get, that's where the, uh, the lives get blurred and, you know, we, we talked about in a, in a recent episode about uh, a topic not connected, but kind of similar in the sense of like, if somebody holds a company laptop, do you go take that? And yeah. I think 
what are the things that we want to talk about here? It's like, well, if it's, if it's not legal, what maybe, what should people be doing? What should they be aware of? How should they approach this? Is it a case by case basis? You know, are you the advocate that says, Hey, this is illegal and I'm not going to do it. You need to pay us. Or do you politely decline? Or do you take the offer uh, to perform and help you get the job? It's a it's a mixed bag, but 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 I think that um, I think it it kind of depends on the context uh, because as we're talking before the show, we're talking about how well you know there's a difference between writing a blog article pre pre hire and. Uh, writing a giving letter, for example, if you're working for a not or being evaluated for a nonprofit uh, in the development arena. Uh, if you are looking to join a restaurant and they ask you to prepare a dish or uh, wait a table or triage new um, uh, customers that are coming in the door, all of these are different contexts. And so sometimes the, the risk risk reward might lead you to say, well, let me just go ahead and do it. And if I get hired, great. If not, no biggie. Um, but then there may be some things where you're like, well, you know, I feel like this is my intellectual property or if I give this to you, you'd be able to reuse it. And so I want compensation. There's a big conversation that could be had around this. But uh, Summer, what do you what do you think about this? And maybe what would you advise someone in a situation? Yeah, it's it's really a challenging situation because I recognize that there are a lot of companies who actually technically are breaking the law in this space. And I don't know if they're aware uh, and doing it knowingly or if it's just simply, you know, that they're not aware. Um, now, I think from the candidate standpoint, it's really tough because I think even if they know the company is doing something that they shouldn't, they obviously are interested and want that job and are likely to go along with what it is that the organization is asking because the opportunity is greater than the potential loss. So I, yeah. I think from an organizational standpoint, if this is something you do, I, I would encourage you to kind of stop and look at your processes and ask yourself questions like, how long is the job trial and is it practical? So for example, you know, a job trial of a couple of hours um, it is likely reasonable if you're asking somebody to work multiple shifts or a work like work for a week as a job trial that you're really in my opinion, you're exploiting them, right? You're trying to get free labor. And that's where it's really clear. The law says absolutely not permitted. So then the second question that I would ask is, how is the organization benefiting from this job trial? Are they actually receiving uh, a tangible product? Are they benefiting in terms of service? And if the answer is yes, pretty clear that's compensable time. You cannot have somebody as part of a job trial benefiting the company. So to kind of go back to what you were saying earlier, Joey, there are ways that you can have team members do job trials. It just cannot be for a product of value or a service that the company is actually benefiting from. So 
you know, when I think about, I, I think you were talking, we were talking a little bit about coding. So having uh, somebody code for um, something that you might actually use in your company, big no-no, right? But having them code for something that is completely unrelated, but still demonstrates the skill would be totally permitted. One thing I like to do, and I have clients who are in that sector, or even just in, in general, um, is to create like a sample hypothetical prod, product or project that you want this person to test their skills on or demonstrate their skills on. Because that way, you still have the very real ability to assess their thought process, uh, their end product, uh, maybe how fast they turn it around for you uh, because many projects come with a timeline. So I, I think the, the the most costly part of recruiting is the time it takes to find the right person and the risk of hiring the wrong person and having to go back and start the process all over again. So it, it's more important to, to get a true sense of a candidate ability to contribute than it is to get anything from them before the hiring process or sorry before their you know first paycheck mm-hmm. uh, or their first job offer so so i would advocate just make something up you know make something up that maybe runs in parallel or uh, you know can't be is not traceable to anything that you actually have going on and that should allow you to see uh, if they're if they're gifted Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, something that may be uh, also great advice for, for companies to think about is if you're doing job trials and you're unsure or you simply just want to uh, make sure that even if somebody isn't hired, that it was a positive experience for them, simply pay them a reasonable wage for the amount of time that they were performing their job trial. And it doesn't mean that you have to hire them and give them an offer of employment, but you'll at least send them on their way and be grateful for their time. And maybe they'll come back and reapply at some point in the future when they have the necessary skills for that job, if they had a great, a great experience. Yeah, they'll reapply. They'll send candidates your way. I mean, I I can't, I, I can tell you many stories of folks who said, you know what? I wasn't selected or I took a job elsewhere, but this was a great opportunity experience for me. If I have friends that are looking, I'm going to just send them your way. Uh, so the candidate experience you get to one person can have a, uh, a multiplier effect to other folks just by way of word of mouth and, and the referrals they give or the referrals they don't give. So, so yeah, it, it would, it would be human to, to do things. Right, right way. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, things folks should consider? Yeah, just kind of always thinking about our listeners and, you know, those who might be thinking about, oh gosh, I've got myself in a little bit of a sticky situation now that I've I've listened to this topic regarding job trials. And, you know, I always like to make sure that everybody's aware we're here to help you. Uh, so if you're thinking you could use Uh, some consulting advice, or maybe you don't currently have a formal job trial program, but you'd like to have something. We didn't really talk about it, but documentation 
about how your job trial program works and making sure that your individuals who are participating uh, understand and ideally kind of they, they sign something that you can have for your records in case, you know, heaven forbid there ever is any litigation. There's a lot of considerations yeah. and things that your Jumpstart friends can help you with. So just encourage folks to reach out. And Joey, how can they get a hold of us? Well, you can reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. Well, just email. Uh, or you can go to our website, jumpstart-hr.com and hit our contact page and submit your information for us to get a little 15-minute call. Sounds awesome. Well, thanks for an awesome show today, Joey. Uh, yeah, yeah, likewise, likewise. Topics that uh, are coming up more and more these days, and so we want to be on the forefront and help those basically HR polls out there might not, you know, be able to tap into to the news of the day because of busy working. So, yeah, great episode. And until next time, you have a great week. Thanks, everyone.